Hello, and welcome to the NPRD podcast with nurse practitioner and registered dietitian Robin Kivit. Eating disorders, body image, medicine, they are all interconnected. But with so many programs, techniques, and advice to choose from, it's easy to be overwhelmed. Robin, with more than 25 years of experience as a nurse practitioner and registered dietitian, offers help and hope for everyone, families, children, and adults. Along with veteran talk show host and good friend, Jordan Rich, Robin invites you to learn much more right here on the NPRD podcast. Hi there, this is Robin. Welcome again to another edition of the NPRD. It's May in Boston, which means the Meta Conference, Multi-Service Eating Disorder Association Conference is this week. And we have one of the speakers joining us and um, a psychiatrist and psychotherapist, Wendy Oliver Pyatt. Thank you, Wendy, for being on today. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me to join. I'm really honored and delighted. I appreciate this opportunity to connect with you. So Wendy is giving the, the talk at Meta that wraps it up, and her topic is working with treatment resistance, past, present, and the future of eating disorders. So excited for Meta that, you know, they were able to have you come and, you know, be a part of next week. But I wanted to talk to you today mainly about your newer endeavors. I mean, you're like the total businesswoman here. Um, so, and, and I, you know, so Jordan, Wendy has started many treatment centers and I've been lucky enough to tour, um, some of them. Mm -hmm. She started, um, if, if I'm correct here, Wendy, Hope of the Sierras, Center for Hope of the Sierras. Mm -hmm. I apologize. Center for Hope of the Sierras, then Oliver Pyatt Centers, Clementine, which is, Treatment of Adolescents, mm-hmm. and then Within Health and Galen Hope, circa 2021. So just recently, the fact that you yes. the fact that you have time to talk to us very impressive. Yes, I am so <laughs> thankful. <laughs> so I really was so moved when I heard about Within Health last summer. I think because it puts the care of the eating disorders and the eating disorder really in the home throughout the treatment. Yes, it has been such a labor of love, and it sort of speaks to, I think, what I kind of am calling now sort of like the next generation of, like, treatment, um, which is what I'm doing both with Within Health and also with Galen Hope, yeah. which is just really recognizing how very hard it is for people to go from receiving care in a controlled setting with tons and tons of support to then translating that care, you know, back into the home environment. And so over the years, um, we did eventually start a transitional living program at Oliver Pyatt Center, and I absolutely loved doing that and just seeing, like, the benefits of still having, like, the support of the team and then also sort of being out in the world. And, and, um, and then over the years, I, I took a break actually in 2016, and <laughs> funny thing was what was that, that was, like for you to take a oh break? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I said I would never, you know, I was like done, and I was never going to do patient care again because I needed to just, you know, have have time to myself and enjoy my kids and etc. And, 
I wasn't even going to renew my medical licenses. I was just pretty much done with that. Yeah. And, and um, it was a very nice time for me because my two oldest kids were still, you know, at home. And I still had sort of two more years of kids at home. And I, I had never really had that time to be like that that mom that got to be at home and just really dive into the, being part of the school activity. So I, I was able to do that and thought I was not going to go, you know, back to practicing psychiatry. Um so that was one of the n- numerous nevers that I have had in my life. Mm. Now, now I know yeah. never say never, but but it w- it was nice for me. I mean, it was the first time I didn't really feel a sense of like kind of like just like the responsibility of like patient life and patient care. I, I had never had that experience since probably I would say about 1993 in my third year of re- uh, medical mm. school when I started having pa- patient care. So I never had that experience of like not having that in my life. Um, and I, and I did appreciate that, but, um, eventually the bug came back and I, and I realized I wanted to start Mm -hmm. doing the work again. Um, but with my two programs now, both within health and both also with Galen Hope, I've incorporated, um, aspects of, uh, treatment that I think are very, very important, which is to like be able to be with a person like in their community and in their reality because treatment, I think someday we're going to look back at how treatment is designed and, and be like, wow, we were a little crazy to think that people could just come into our environments, on our schedule, in our, you know, in our settings that, that sort of orient around us, you know, and do this work that's very hard and make all these changes and yeah. encounter so much fear and anxiety and, and just so many um, complicated dynamics and and then go back into the home environment and abracadabra, they would be okay. Right. So, so within within health is remote care. So it's actually the whole entire treatment is done in the home. And I and I can explain a little bit about how we do that. And then with Galen Hope, the thing that's just so beautiful about it is that we really have the treatment in the community baked into the treatment continuum. So a person can go from really as much care as you get in a residential, like 12 hours of clinical care all the way down to what you kind of call an IOP program. Um, but what we do is as the person stepping down, um, we have sort of built in like the, the adherence to and the building in of, of kind of doing the work and connecting within the community. So that model of care of doing community treat based treatment is derived from something called PACT which stands for Program for Assertive Community Treatment. Mm -hmm. And I started a PACT program in Nevada back in the early 2000s. And these PACT programs were created really for working with severe mental illness to help people become sort of deinstitutionalized. And they're very heavy on case management and community um, support. So I always wanted to, like, bring that into a treatment venue. I always thought that was – because that was some of the most – effective work I ever did. Um, so within is in the home and, and some people are like, well, how, how do you do eating disorder treatment in the home? It's hard. Um, but, but it's, it's where it has to get done. It's where it has to get done. Right? So, yeah. And, and so what I do, what we do is when we envisioned it, it was sort of like, let me imagine all the things that exist in a, in a brick and mortar and how do I bring that into a person's home? Um, so we have an app that is really there to build greater connections and make greater ease of communication. And so the app is really a wonderful kind of venue to get the whole treatment, like kind of 
out to the patient and form the connections. And, and we, we basically do that same model of like high frequency of individual therapy, multidisciplinary treatment, really important is like the family therapy and the family coaching and the family education, engaging the family, which has always been really a big part of my treatment protocols, um, psychiatric management, and then the nutrition piece is really important. And we sort of have a three-pronged approach because you are in the home. With, so you have to be kind of what I call lovingly intrusive mm. in the sense that we, we have the nutrition therapy to sort of work on the psychological kind of piece the relationship with the food, working on a peaceful relationship, that kind of being one sort of arm. And then the other part is our care partners that are sort of making sure the patients are actually walking the walk and not just talking about it. And then we have food support specialists that are like Mm -hmm. making sure the food is there and in the home. We actually have meal delivery into the home as well. So um, just doing a lot of work, you know, in the home, we have a very strong um, anchor with our nurses. So we do a lot of, um, education, psychosocial support, medical monitoring through the nursing part of it. Um, but again, it's all like in the home, as you mentioned, where the, where the issues really are. And then similar to, to that, if somebody does need brick and mortar, we're just doing all of those components just outlined, but then you have the, the real-time person to go into the community with you and go to a restaurant, go shopping, go sign up for a class, um, take, take a dance class, and right. then we do all these things. Wendy, I know Galen Hope treats eating disorders, but that's within health's premise. So, but Galen Hope treats many different things. Also, they treat, if I'm understanding correctly, yes. young, younger yes. kids too. Well, yes. I mean, thank you for thank you for bringing that up. I, I appreciate it. To give a little bit of a differentiation, so within health is all like remote. So you, the person's actually in the home. So there's a lot of clinical situations where a person, for a variety of different reasons, chooses to do the work in the home or is able to do the work in the home. Or, you know, we have many, many patients, which I've really come to have a lot of respect for. There's many people out there with eating disorders in rural communities or they, they literally can't leave work to go to treatment. Right. They won't have a roof over their head. Or they have multiple kids and nobody to take care of the kids. Like, there's so many different scenarios. There's people that don't feel comfortable going to a treatment center. They might be living in a higher weight body. Um, they could have other, you know, other aspects of their identity where they feel uncomfortable in a treatment milieu that's primarily with, you know, people that they don't really necessarily engage with or relate to. I mean, there's just so many different circumstances that do actually preclude somebody from going into a brick and mortar, but furthermore, the two things that I really am excited about that I see are us able to do is we can get in earlier in the course of somebody's eating disorder and kind of block the progression of the eating disorder. Right. And then we also can be a step down for people from higher levels of care. And that is really a game changer for patients because they can leave those really supportive environments that they're in. And then when they do return home, we give them so, so very much support. And it's sort of PHP IOP plus. So there's the the scheduling of the clinical hours, but there's a lot of care partner support and sort of built in um, kind of boundaries. And I call it love and boundaries where they have to do like they they send in like um, 
through the app, they can upload their meal logs and things like that, and we check on that all throughout the day. So it's, it's sort of the love and boundaries concept in, in both programs. It's really being the people in their environment. Um, but with within, it's, it's, all, it's all done from home. Um, the person does have to maintain an appointment or a, a relationship with the primary care physician who we have a lot of contact with, so we make sure medically things are stabilized. Um, so that's what that is. And then Galen Hope is for some people do really prefer and want to be in person, and there could be some clinical reasons why that's in a more appropriate setting. So we, we offer that, and it's sort of a sister <laughs> sister facility. They're, they are completely separate, though, as far as, like, their, their organi- right. the organization itself. Um, but we, we love working also in person with patients. And one of the things that I've really liked is, being able to work with adolescents and have like sometimes parents be in the same community. So parents, the, the adolescent doesn't necessarily have to leave and go, go kind of away to a residential. Some people it's more appropriate for them to do that. But when, when we can work with them and they can be around their family, that's really wonderful. And helping also, we do help people step down from higher levels of care because we do do so much work in the community. Um, and then we are working with primary mental health as well, which is something I've, as a psychiatrist, I've, believe it or not, I didn't go into psychiatry planning to treat eating disorders. I was Mm. always more interested in community psychiatry. And so this has been a real love, love of mine for all these years that I haven't been able to like hone in on. And we really love being able to work with conditions other than eating disorders, um, which we're doing that. And we also have a men's program that's really wonderful for me to be able to work with men again, which I haven't done in a long time. So Galen Hope is in-person care. Yes. Yeah. And how many patients can you accommodate in? Uh, well, we do have um, the one of the big principles I've had, as I'm glad you asked that, is I've always really believed in the importance of very attuned um, therapeutic relationships with the entire team. And I really am a big believer in small milieus. Mm. So I'm not your 20-person milieu gal. I just right. think that the work... There's that beautiful integration of individual therapy and then milieu work that I think a lot of profound change can happen. But I do think that a, a milieu, you know, needs to be capped at a smaller number. And that's some of the things where I think people sort of cut corners on that. Um, I personally just don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it could be done with these big milieus. It's just not something that's in my repertoire. So we, we do have up to 30 total patients, but they're in separate milieus. So each mm-hmm. one of our patient milieus, whether it's the adult milieu or the adolescent milieu or the men's milieu, is usually kept around 10 patients. So um, so they, there's a one center in Coral Gables, and it has several different like kind of spaces and places for the treatment to happen. I would just like to note that uh, we talk about this podcast as a boon to fellow clinicians and I can't think of a better topic today than the one we're focusing on with yeah. Wendy. And Wendy, uh, just a comment from you. Uh, you obviously began this process of inventing this this beautiful technique, this style of treatment before the pandemic, I'm guessing. Pandemic has, has woken a lot of people up to the way you're doing your work, I think, at this point. Thank you for saying those kind words. I, I really appreciate it. What, to me, kind of it makes me chuckle a little bit, actually, is that you know, my process has been, you know, very organic, even from 
starting off as becoming a psychiatrist. It wasn't something I planned. It, it was really something that, that I was drawn to. And I, I just, my, I treated my first person with a psychotic illness in third year of medical school at Kings County Hospital and discovered the magic of, of just like mental health treatment and how different this person's life was by just getting the treatment that he got at a young age when he first became psychotic and the impact that had on his whole, you know, his life, his family's life. And I just was really drawn into it and it just kind of has continued on and on. And certainly, um, you know, Dr. Amy Boyers, who's my co-founder of Galen Hope, has been really encouraging me and wanting to do our program since well before, you know, we, we met, in year, you know, months before the pandemic. We never foresaw that happening. Um, but we always wanted to integrate this case management into treatment. I had always said I want to do the PACT model. Um, so that was kind of already cooking. And then I was already starting to do private practice using telepsychiatry and sort of creating multidisciplinary teams of people. And I, I, this again was pre-pandemic and I was working with some patients. And I thought to myself, like, my goodness, like I, I'm doing this work through telepsych and I, and I'm seeing the impact and I'm, yeah. I, I really had this thought of like this, you know, I would be treating a patient for a number of months. And I said to myself, this person would have ended up in treatment if I wasn't yeah. doing this right now. Mm-hmm. And this is again, pre-pandemic. And so I was really getting, I set up my whole website. Everything was getting set up to just do kind of private practice with like creating teams for patients is kind of my plan. Um, and then I met my co-founder, Abhilash Patel, um, after the pandemic had started. And, and we just began to talk. And he had worked in addiction and he himself had had an eating disorder. And he, you know, talked about, you know, as a male, there was just no treatment. He would look at the centers and he wouldn't see anybody that looked like him anywhere. Mm. And so we started talking about the accessibility and the need for milieus that supported a broader, you know, a dynamic group of people and diversity and inclusion issues. And and he, you know, he just got, he, he really encouraged me to do this and believed in the whole concept of of doing this remotely, we were brought together with a team of amazing like developers to build our our app, and it just kind of went from there. Um, Garrett Garrett Samwick, who um, is our VP of operations, he got involved early on, a really innovative thinker. So I was able to. I was so blessed because I had this constellation of people around me that were very supportive and had different backgrounds and they were all like kind of geniuses in their own right, but in different domains than I was familiar with. And I would just get on these calls with these app developers and try to explain, you know, how do you admit a patient and the medical clearance and the clinical clearance and all the things you have to go through and just explaining treatment and, and watching them turn that into like an app that could support that whole process was fascinating to me. Um, so that's, that's been really such a blessing. And then the other blessing has just been knowing so many people over the years, over the decades that have wanted to work with us, you know, and just those relationships has been, I sort of realized like once I got things going, I was like, how could I not do that? There's so much, there's so much passion and shared values that I, once people started going, like they were just so ready so many people with a shared vision of like how treatment is done and some of the grounding principles of treatment that people were really connected to and wanted to 
carry out to help people heal um, from the inside out and based on like affirmation and self-acceptance and self-validation and, and, you know, intuitive eating and health at every size and all those things that we know are very foundational to like that true, you know, healing that the, the paradigm that, you know, within ourselves like lies that true essence of wanting to, you know, love and, you know, give love, receive love, do do well in the world. We all have that within us. It's just we have these defenses and cultural influences that get us sidetracked or primary mental health issues that, you know, cause great, great weight and burden upon us. And we, we aren't able to, like, manifest our essence. And so many of the people that we are able to, like, work with in this collective mission, like, share that understanding. And that just allows, I think, the best of all of us to come out, whether it's the patients or the people working, um, to help our patients. So I've just been really lucky because I get to be a part of all of that with all these humans that are drawn together in this in this way. But you also just really described what I still hope is the, or are part of the sort of results of this time period the last few years like you're taking how you believe what what I think I hear you say what I've read about you is how you believe what you believe in the importance of collaboration and then really reaching people where they are so they can get the help that they need and I really really hope that as we continue to move through this time, that that is very recognizable. You know, my hard and fast rule was I was never going to do an initial assessment with a patient remotely. I just wouldn't do it. And mm-hmm. I had to change that cle- clearly. Yeah. And there are, you know, patients I've, I've never met in person, and they're doing great. Isn't that interesting? I have had many of them. <laughs> yeah. and, I, it's really different. Yeah, and what what I what I I mean I don't want to go down this tangential road, but what frustrates me then is when we get you know kind of in our face feedback as clinicians when we do accept insurance as oh oh by the way we're going to decrease your rate by thirty percent because you're seeing oh our God, patients yeah. on telehealth and I I yeah. just think oh my goodness I really is this really happening is it I guess so oh my God um, yeah we could we could get going yeah on that, that but we won't um, but I just <laughs> I wanted to just a thank you for being on today and really taking us through your to newer programs. I'm so grateful that you're speaking at Meta next week with the topic you're speaking on because your models here, you know, and I are, are really the way we need to move in. You know, like these are well, the directions. Like this is thank, thank where we need to be. Um, so thank you. Thank you. You mentioned the you mentioned the word collaboration and like as cliche as it sounds, it does take a village. Yeah. Um, I say it takes a I, county, actually. <laughs> yeah, it takes yeah. <laughs> it also takes a lot a lot of dedication. I actually just met with somebody that works at the White House on addiction treatment and and I said, Look, you could they had forty billion dollar budget. I said, That's very, very nice, but somebody has to show holding uh the payers accountable for for, you know, the delivery of care and 
really appropriate treatment, appropriate yeah. levels of care, appropriate lengths of stay, et cetera. Um, but I, and I, I want to just mention regarding the meta talk that I'm doing, um, I kind of expand, I, I, I kind of went on a winding road of what I wanted to do. And what I, what I really am doing in this is I want to point out to all of us, to myself included, the, the ways that we've like evolved in terms of helping patients heal. And I'm kind of demarcated some really important, important advancements in our in the field since like the past 20 years that I've been really doing this 20 plus years. And so I've actually am doing some interviews with people who I think have been really instrumental. And I'm really, um, I'm really going to point out the, some very important changes in treatment, which are one change has been the fact that we now allow, we now understand the importance of processing trauma during treatment. And a lot of the work of Dr. Timothy Brewitson has really brought around that change. The insurance companies used to tell us we can't process trauma. So we're going to talk about the innovation of allowing trauma work to come into treatment. Um, um, So I have an interview with Dr. Brewerton. I have interviewing um, Shavise Turner to talk about the innovation of like the how health at every size was one sort of, you got the eye rolls and um, you know, now people understand the importance of understanding weight stigma, BED getting into the DSM-5. And these are things that we used to not have in the field. And then I'm also going to be um, interviewing somebody else regarding the, uh, the importance of diversity and inclusion and treatment, which is something that's newer in our field. Um, And then we're going to talk a little bit about just one other really important thing that was once a, something you never heard of that's now everywhere, which is DBT. I think DBT. Yeah, we've talked about that here. Yeah. 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 So that, I mean, there's a lot of other innovations, but we're going to focus in on these innovations that have entered the field in the last 20 years um, to help people heal. So that's what the talk's a little bit about with some really interesting interviews that um, that I'm videotaping for the audience. So Mm -hmm. I hope, I hope, uh, I'm finding it to be really fascinating to, um, to have this opportunity. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. I definitely want to have you back, and I'm going to very much look forward to meeting you in person soon. Thank you for having me, and thanks for listening and being interested and supportive. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Take good care. You as well. Take care. Thank you for joining us for the NPRD Podcast with Robin Kievit. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate, and review us and share this valuable podcast with friends and family. Help and hope is found here. For more, just go to robinkivit.com. That's R-O-B-Y-N-K-I-E-V-I-T.com. Or check out the N-P-R-D.com.